No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Hellickson here with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to another episode of Club Wealth TV. I am super, super excited today. Uh, I have got three of my favorite people in the world with me today, uh, and I've got Tim, Shree, and Brian. Uh, no, I'm totally joking. You guys are three of my absolute favorite people in the world, and uh, I want to just introduce these guys. If you guys don't already know them, uh, Tim, Brian and Shree, as you guys know, because you see them on Club Wealth TV all the time, uh, are my co-hosts on Club Wealth TV, and uh, they are both coaches with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting, as am I. Uh, and as is our guest today, Mr. Tim Ray, I should say Coach Tim Ray, uh, and you guys will love Tim's story. So uh, back in the day when Tim and I met, I mean, Jesus, there we go, Brian, don't forget to mute that Facebook tab. Um, anyway, that being said, Tim, when he started coaching with me uh, here about just over two years ago, his best year ever at that point in time was 78 units. Well, guess what? In just over two years, or just about two years, Tim has gone from 78 to now he's going to close over 450 units. Now, as great as that is, he was actually, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, he was actually on track to close over 600 units this year, but Tim's going to share with us what happened to kind of derail that and how not only he has adjusted to avoid that in the future, but how you can too. And I know some of you are saying, oh, boo-hoo, he's not going to do 600. He still did 450 units this year. Uh, I get it, right? Like, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, impressive. Uh, you cannot uh, you cannot uh, slide a guy that's going to do 450 units this year. Uh, but what we can do is we can learn lots of lessons from Tim and not just related to REO. Our topic today is REO isn't sexy, it's a commitment. But the reality is REO is only a piece of Tim's business. And Tim, I'll share this and then I'm going to let you talk. Uh, but Tim's business started off, uh, he was doing mostly REO. So when we, when we met your business, if I remember right, was about 80% REO on 78 units. The next year you went to about 334 units and it was only about 50% REO. And this year with your over 450 units, you're down to, if I remember right, 30% REO. Is that about right? Uh, we're right at 50-50. You're about 50-50 right now. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So, but that said, that's a much better balance than 80% REO and 20% retail, right? Because now at 50-50, you've got a balanced business. And if you're not at, if you're not, you know, if you're not balancing your business, when the REO market dries up or when other changes happen in the industry, all of a sudden you've got real challenges. Would you agree? Yeah. All right. Well, so Tim, go what? for it. Well, and it wasn't it wasn't seventy eight to three hundred and thirty. Uh, there was a step in between. I think it was seventy eight, one hundred and eleven, three hundred and thirty. Right, the next year. Um, but so, what what did you what what specifically do you want to talk about? Where do you want to get started? We'll start, Tim. <laughs> Tim, I love you, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. It was like just just what are we talking about today? I just don't get it. Like, what are we doing? So 
let's start with this first, Tim. So start with how did you go? What what were the key steps you in going from 78 to 111 to 334 to 450 or, you know, wherever. I mean, so what were, what were the important items or steps for you in making that happen? Hiring a business coach. So the, and, and what was funny, and I mean, probably, and you remember this, Michael. So Michael, you're still my coach. If you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> Michael's still my coach. So the, we literally spent a year undoing all of the mess that I'd, created by not knowing what I was doing. In other words, by building a business and implementing systems that weren't the right systems that were actually counterintuitive to each other. So we spent a year really kind of rewinding and undoing. And in doing so, we still almost, well, I don't know, that's not quite double 78 to 111, but we, we significantly increased the volume that we did while we were struggling through the chaos of just rewinding and reversing what I did. I sold a business, got rid of a, not got rid of, separated with a business partner. Um, there was a lot going on that first year in business, but it was, it was focusing on getting systems that work, that are smart. And basically um, I didn't even have a CRM at that point. Well, and you know, you're right about that. And that and CRM, it's funny because that's, that's true. I had a CRM. I just didn't use it because I didn't know how. But you know, I paid, I paid for one, but I didn't use it. <laughs> and, um, what's that, Brian? It's even worse. At least if you're not paying for it, at least you're not throwing money out the window, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, so okay. So now I want to talk really quick about this partnership thing because we hear this a lot. We hear a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm going to go form a partnership." And uh, Brian, you and I have talked about this a lot, and, and you guys know Brian, Sheree, and I have a partnership, right? The three of us are partners in Club Wealth Expansion Services. Where you know, so we own expansion teams all over the country together, and that partnership has worked out really well. But the reality is, partnerships the weakest form of business, and almost never works out, right? So, Tim, I want you to talk to us about your experience, and and I, I understand we're not saying anything bad about your partner or the person that you were in partnership with or anything like that. Wonderful person, I'm sure. But the reality is that the 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 thing, the entity, partnership itself is generally speaking a weak entity would you agree yeah so um i think i i think for me what it was was getting real with the fact that you know i guess there's there's lots of things that successful people do but there's seven things particularly that most people refuse to do in order to be successful and one of those seven things is stop multitasking so for me, I was doing everything, right? Like I owned a property management company. I owned real estate investments, which I think is one of the best things you can do. I got rid of everything. I, I liquidated my entire portfolio. I had property management. I had a real estate company. I had um, a real estate company in an entirely different state. Um, I had a lot of things going on. Inside of that, I had partnerships and Multitasking for me, I just was never really successful at anything. I looked probably successful, but I didn't experience success to the degree that I wanted to until I got rid of all of the distractions, all of the partnerships. To me, a partnership is a multitasking aspect, right? It's like now you got to, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily go into that aspect, that, that piece of it, but got rid of, sold a business, bought out a partner focused on my market in Kansas city, as opposed to the multiple other markets that I was focusing on. And I got real with 
This is what I'm going to do right now. And then once you master it, then you can expand. And I was always trying to master too many things and so never doing it. So it's like really kind of similar to Gary V or not Gary V, but uh, Gary Keller talking about the one thing, right? So you really got to narrow it down to, okay, I've got all this other stuff going on, but I got to figure out how to be great or be world-class at this one thing. Once I've mastered that, then I can add these other pieces. If I'm trying to do all of it at the same time, nothing works the way it should. But specifically to the partnership, what I'm curious about is what are some of the pitfalls that you see with partnerships and how do you feel people can overcome those or avoid those? Wow. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't either, but I'm- I've, I've, I've done, I've done my best to forget about partnerships that like, to try to, this is, this is like bringing up a bad memory. Um, oh gosh, Michael. <laughs> so, you had him laying on the couch, Michael. <laughs> I think, and, and I think, and I think that partnerships can be really well, but I, or can, can be really, uh, they can be really, really great. But I think the first thing we do is we confuse the word partnership, right? Like I have partnerships with my operations manager, with my REO director. I have a partnership with you, Michael. Like we're not in business together, right? We're not, we don't, we don't necessarily rely on each other for the growth and the stimulation of, of, of what it is we're doing. Partnership, as I think I'm hearing you want to address it is like, I have a partner that's 50, 50 in business. And I think my experience in partnerships has always been one person provides more value. One person is taking credit, which I don't really care so much about the credit as much as money, like for things that you didn't do. So I think it's really, really easy to misidentify your particular value and your particular worth inside of a partnership. And then it's easy to just ride the coattails of somebody else. And I think the drivers, the people that, um, well, I think the people that are drivers are the ones that ultimately don't, we don't slow down long enough to take someone else's opinion. Right. So then they feel invalidated, then their feelings are hurt, but they're still getting a salary. So I think for me, um, the structure of business needs to just be be more of a hierarchy of uh, personnel. But everybody that is in my company and all of the people that are on our team, we're all really in partnership. So I think it's just important to identify what we're really talking about. Sounds like what you're saying is it's important to value the people around you. It's important to make sure that they understand that, that, that they are valued and that, they, uh, that their opinions matter and, and that they have input. Um, and at the same time, from a legal and financial standpoint, uh, making sure that the ownership of the entity is in a single person so that there is a single person responsible uh, versus having two people who are both financially and legally benefiting and or responsible for this entity uh, when one or the other may be doing the lion's share lifting. And I, I, would, I would agree with that, by the way, because I would say that generally speaking in most partnerships, at one point in time or another, one person is usually carrying an unfair portion of the burden. Uh, and that shifts over time, right? Sometimes this person's carrying it. Sometimes this person's carrying it. And as long as everybody's okay with that, as long as everybody's open to that and willing to accept that and understands that today might be my day to carry the heavier load or today might be your day to carry the heavier load, but we're both okay with that. And we understand that it's going to, it's, you know, it, it's going to shift from back and forth. I think like, that's the, 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 the most valuable thing that I've experienced outside of partnership is that 
I am responsible for the decisions that I make. So I can make a decision and I can implement something right now. It may be right. It may be wrong, but that's me, right? Whereas when you have a partnership and you both have equal, equal decision making capabilities, you're 50, 50, you are the two board of directors, right? And you disagree on who to appoint as a broker or who to remove as a broker or who to, how to do this or where to spend money. And you're flat out at odds. That sucks. Like I can spend money and I might make, I might get it wrong, but I can't blame anybody except myself. So that's been the most empowering thing inside of, inside of not, not having a partnership in business is I get to call the shots and live by it or die by it. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, all four of us are coaches and I, I mean, I know that all of us have had the point where we've had someone that we're coaching. We've had two people that we're coaching. Who's not a husband and wife style team. However, it gets to that point of, okay, this isn't working. Um, how do we separate this? And we, I see it so, so many times more than not. So when we get people or we get someone who's in a partnership, um, when it comes down to a real estate team, you know, it's a lot of that separation of that, those roles and those responsibilities. And you're correct. There's one person that always, Michael, there's one person that always feels like they're carrying the brunt of the work. And this other person thinks, well, I'm stronger in this and I'm stronger in that. This is how we want it to separate it. But it just doesn't work. And it doesn't work so many times. It's, it's, I, I mean, I just can't count the number of times that we've had that it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, I won't, I won't coach partners. I won't coach partners that are married to each other. I won't coach partners that are not married to each other because it's just like you said. And I mean, partnerships when they're great and they work, they are great, right? I mean, they're fabulous. I know a couple people that have incredible partnerships, but the conversations in coaching become like, you know, about who didn't do what as opposed to progress. So that's a very interesting thing. So um, I appreciate that you won't do it. I have about six clients <laughs> who are in some sort of partnership in one way or another. And I, I've had interesting conversations. I've had either one of them call me off offline, you know, not in our coaching call. And sometimes you end up being a therapist. And I think that yeah. that's an interesting thing that happens. And, you know, it is really truly a thing where you have to get everybody refocused on what is important. What are your guys' goals? What are you trying to move towards? And again, it doesn't mean that you can't have some disappointment with your partners because they're not you. So, I mean, we all have partners in so one way or shape or form in some parts of our life or have, and you really have to understand that trying to just get them to move in that same direction. And that's a challenge. And, you know, both people have to be willing to listen. Both people have to be willing to change. I mean, you know, our partnerships that, that we have, the, the three of us, you know, we're talking and sometimes it's like, well, we don't agree on that. So it's like, okay, well, we'll just do what, you know, what works best for the total entity. That doesn't mean everybody's happy all the time. So it, it, that partnerships are definitely challenges. Well, you nailed it, Brian. I think in terms of, you know, when it comes to partnership, think about the five dysfunctions of a team, right? And, and really what you have to do is you have to put the needs of the entity ahead of the individual needs. And that's tough sometimes, right? Because even sometimes we want to, like if I'm having a rough day or I'm having, you know, something's going on in my world that's causing me not to be as strong as I would like to be normally or as strong as I normally would be for the partnership, at some point in time, somebody's got to pick up that slack. 
And we just, all of us have to realize in that moment that, hey, wait a minute, the needs of the entity, that's what we got to take care of right now. The individuals, they'll take care of their own needs if need be. I mean, we can offer to help out. We can do the best we can to help out as much as we can. But the reality is there's only so much we can do. But what we can do and what we must do is we must make sure the entities take care of. Because if you don't take care of the goose that lays the golden eggs, guess what? It stops freaking laying eggs, right? And we need that goose to continue to lay eggs. So it's really important. So I love this. This is a great conversation, but I think it's a good time to uh, switch gears. And let's talk a little bit about, um, and, and I love the fact, you know, you said that a big part of your growth was, you know, getting into coaching and becoming uh, a coaching client of Club Wallace. And, and that's awesome. And I appreciate that. I wasn't looking for that plug, although I do appreciate it. Um, but, but what I want to understand is what are some of the changes you made? I mean, obviously, okay, so you unwound the partnership. That was a big one. That was traumatic, traumatic for everybody involved, right? But you, you unwound that partnership. You got you figured out, okay, I actually have a CRM. I should probably use it. Uh, so that's great, right? That's an epiphany. Uh, and by the way, an epiphany that most agents need to have uh, because a lot of agents that don't have a CRM and those that do a lot of times aren't using it at all. And those that are using it usually aren't using it properly. And most of the rest aren't using it to the extent that it can be. And so, you know, the, the whole CRM discussion is a massive piece. But what are some other keys that you did, Tim, to really make the transition from, you know, mid mid to high 70s to hundreds and, and you know, and multiple hundreds uh, now, what, for, you know, over 450 transactions a year? So um, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but at, at the BSM in November, I'm doing a, a session on this. So it's, it's definitely more involved than a few minute conversation. But I think at the, at the fundamental root of it, something you said to me a long time ago, or, you know, someone really wise, it was probably you, uh, said, said, said in everything you do, well, let me, let me back up. There's two things to me that are super important. One is start at the end and work your way backwards, right? Because I don't know, someone once said that most people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a lifetime. And if you start at the result you want and work your way backwards, it helps you better plan for it. But inside of planning, everything you do is automate, delegate, eliminate. And I remember Jesse Zagorski one time said to me, he's like, if I have to do something more than once, I'm going to make a video out of it. So by putting the right systems in place that are going to remove the busy work, to allow people to be producers is, is what we've done. And it, and it's hard, man. I and mean, it's like, you have systems that work for a really good time that match up to the people that you have. And then the people change or turnover and the systems don't work or, you know what I mean? So it's like, everything's literally matching, like matching and mirroring people to systems even. Um, but I mean, I guess the first thing was the, the use of routing phone calls. That was the very first thing we did. I mean, at that time I probably had 35 listings or something. Right. So, and it was me driving around, putting signs in the yard, taking pictures. I literally did, I did everything. And my writer was on the sign. It's like, call Tim. Right. And I'd be in the car to answer the phone and then they'd ask questions and I'd be like, well, when I get back to the office, I'll call you. And then I wouldn't call him because I would forget or I'd get busy and then I wouldn't find their number. So just tracking and capturing the people that are inquiring on your property, like that was it. So who Greg, who's now our sales manager, right? That was like, he was the very first guy that came over on our team. And it's like, we just started, he just answered the phone calls and started 
converting and closing and sold 32% of our listings that first year by answering the phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, was like, there's, no, there's no secret to that. <laughs> Michael, it's super complicated, bro. <laughs> and you show a house and you, and that's what we did. And then that, and then that, and then that, 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 that gives way for other things to come into play which if you implement properly, then, you know, it allows growth. You were mentioning earlier about a Realtor.com lead that uh, fell through the cracks. You want, uh, can you share that with us real quick? So on Realtor.com, um, we have, uh, I have a, 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 a particular group of people that work it like it because it's an expensive lead and it's a pretty darn good lead. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's one of the best buyer leads that we actually have other than a sign call um, or, uh, a personal referral as Michael Hellickson would say, right? Personal referral sign call realtor.com. That's how it goes. Boom. So you out nailed it. So you have to, you have to be a producer to be, to qualify for realtor.com leads on my team. And then in that case, uh, and what I do is I, I buy the shared leads. So I buy a lead that another realtor in the city or whatever is buying. They're a little bit less expensive. So there's always the chance that the other realtor is going to beat our team to the call. So I say five seconds is the rule, but you know, it's literally like it could be sooner. It could be later because we have it broadcast through five street and several people get a text and they have to claim the, the, the lead on the text. Well, sometimes we'll get five at once. Right. And there's always three texts that come through on my phones. I have myself set up to where I see when a lead comes through, I don't do anything with it. I just look at it. Right. So we'll get a whole bunch of leads or we'll get them in the middle of the night or however they come through. And so what I try to do is I always try to just be present to what's happening. So this morning, or I guess it was last night, uh, I'm doing something. I'm looking through the text. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. There's only two text messages. There should be a third. And there wasn't a third. So I hop on to my commissions Inc where it filters into and I noticed that it hasn't been assigned to anyone. So I send it over, just I screenshot it, send it over, I forward the message or whatever to a girl on our team, Hannah. And this came through on Thursday. And now we're, well, I don't even know what day it is. So it's, it's been a few days, right? And, <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> and, the other, and, and so I forward it to her and she texts me right back. She's like, scheduled for tomorrow morning. It's a $600,000 lead. Oh. The other realtor, bro, the other realtor that co that co buys that lead also didn't call. So that's craziness. And you start thinking about that. That's exactly why you see companies like Zillow coming out with concierge. And that's why you see realtor.com buying op city. I mean, that that's why this stuff is happening in the industry because where are agents dropping the ball? And by the way, this is not a criticism of you, Tim or your team, because the reality is you guys are killing it. Compared to most teams out there, you guys are crushing it. You're doing what, you know, you'll do over 450 transactions this year. How many agents can really say they're doing that? There's less than 100 agents in the entire country that can say they're doing over 450 deals in a year. And well, yeah, and, I, and I can't, I can't take credit for that though. That's, that's I, have, I have a fabulous, fabulous group of people. That's absolutely, absolutely, that's no. really hard. But here's the thing. This is what I want to say, though, Tim, because but, but what I'm loving about what you just said is here you are, this big producer, admitting to, hey, man, we dropped the ball on leads, too. But, the, but, but at the end of the day, we're constantly trying to find ways to refine those systems so that we're not dropping the ball. 
And here's an example of a $600,000 lead that we didn't call for five days. It was a realtor accommodate. We didn't call for five days and we still got the business. How lucky is that? And how much better would it have been if we'd have been on that lead right away? Right? And, it's fun, and it's funny that the other realtor didn't call. It's crazy right. that the other realtor didn't call. Let's talk about the other realtor not calling, though. So here's something that is an opportunity out there. And I hear this all the time, but I'm glad you told this story, Tim, because here's one of the things that I hear all the time. Oh, I didn't call him in 30 seconds. I'm lost. I'm done. It's not worth it. Those realtor.com leads are so good that some other agent's going to follow up with them. I'm going to, it doesn't even make any sense for me to follow up now. Well, it, it, it does. So there's a chance, by the way, that someone called that person. They didn't, they didn't leave them a message and then they forgot. Or God only knows what happened. But if we make the assumption that the $125 Realtor.com lead, and I don't know how much yours cost, but let's just throw that out there, 100 bucks, $125 Realtor.com lead. Oh, I didn't follow up with it in five minutes. Might as well just burn that. That's not true because 47%, according to Zillow, 47% of leads that were purchased were never received one phone call according to the leads. Now, oh, is that true? Amazing. I have no idea. Can you, can you but what if it's only 25%? What if it's 20%? We don't want to contribute to that number. And here's the thing. Also, maybe some other agent went out and showed them a house and they did a crappy job. So call them. Hey, just following up. Just, you know, you were realtor.com. You would say that you, you, you made an inquiry on realtor.com about one, two, three Main Street. We're just following up. We hadn't had the opportunity to talk to you. You know, how's your how's your home search going? And who knows? We got another realtor. Okay, well, click. No, we don't. We got another. We, you know what? Somebody showed us a house, but they won't call us back. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Or who knows? No, we haven't heard from anybody. Thanks for actually following up. Got to do it. And that happens all the time, Ryan, where you get people that are literally after after six, eight, ten months have not bought a house yet. They were a realtor at Conley a year ago, and now all of a sudden they're in the market. And guess what? How many people have followed up with them for a year? Zero. Not one, right? Those are the best leads out there. It cracks me up. I love it when somebody new comes to a team and they say, oh, all I got was these old leads. Are you kidding? You got the best leads there are. Why? Because the system has been automatically following up with those people. And now you get to take advantage of the fact that they've been incubated in this over this entire period of time. And now you get to be the one. It's like going to Nordstrom's, right? When you walk in the store, I can see Cherie now in, in, in Nordstrom's shoe department, right? She walks in. She's looking for that perfect pair of Louboutins. And she, she walks in and the sales guy, what's he doing when he walks up to you, right? First thing is he says, can I help you? What do you say? Yeah, I'm just looking. No, I'm just looking. But then you find him. He walks off the other store and you find that perfect pair of Louboutins. And what do you do? Do you go running across the store and say, hey, can you get these for me in my size? No, but that's the closest person next to me. That's exactly right. And that's what we need to be. We need to be the closest person right next to that person when they're ready to buy or sell. And that's called long-term nurture, long-term follow-up, have to do it. And, and Tim, I'm just excited that you got that lead. So, so then I want to back up again to your CRM. So you have Commissions Inc. And there is a lot of debate about what's the best CRM out there. And I'm not saying that people need to go to Commissions Inc. I'm not saying they shouldn't go to Commissions Inc. My point is simply this. Tim, do you think it really matters which CRM people have? I think it matters that you use whatever system you have. That's like I said, I had a, I had a CRM before. It was probably, it was probably, is it Red X or uh, no? Um, 
know. Top, it was top producer, right? So I was like 35 bucks. It wasn't even very expensive, but I had it. Um, I think you have to pay a dollar for every year they've been in business. I'm not sure. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like I, I have, I have a coaching client that is doing massive amounts of volume, no CRM. And it's like, it just wasn't introduced, right? It just wasn't introduced. So a, a CRM can powerfully impact your business. It definitely, you know, whatever. So like I've got, I now have between just in commissions Inc over the last year and a half, I have 15,000 leads that I bought and cultivated, not to mention all the, you know, like roughly 7,000 phone calls that we have through one of our phone systems. So we have like around 24,000 leads in the last year and a half. And I just shut off my ad spend for sync. Well, I spend like a little bit to keep my Google ranking or whatever, but, um, shut it off. Cause now what we're doing is just, we're just going to attack them by land, air and sea, all of these leads that have been nurtured for a little while. So that's kind of the, the, the change. So your question is what happens? You're going to 600. Now you're at 450. I don't know, man, lots of stuff happens. Like you have awarenesses, awakenings, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, Holy cow, 15,000 leads. And I'm still spending three grand a month to buy this lead that we're not converting anyway, because you know what I mean? So management and staying on top of it, just like sitting at my thing last night, I find the realtor.com lead. Like it's required that there has to, we can get lost. And I think the technology and the systems that we use thinking that they all connect, but like my wise hire, I, I no, not wise hire. Um, I use Sanebox for my email routing, right? I have all these email addresses and it just filters all these emails where they need to go. And all of a sudden yesterday, I'm like, I have no emails in my same later, which is weird because there's generally like 40 a day in there. And some of those are, are stuck there because they don't know where to go. Right. And then I get an email this morning. It's like, Hey, there's a, there's a error in the routing system. You need to log in and fix it. Well, that's huge, man. Like it just broke. I don't even know what broke. I just logged in and did something this morning, but those things happen. So Tim, I want to, we've got a question. And by the way, for those of you that have questions, go into the Facebook feed at uh, facebook.com forward slash club wealth. And uh, we're answering your questions there in the feed real time. Uh, but Stephen Wynn asks, how, what if we don't have a drip? How do we learn how to set up the proper drip system? This is probably for all three of you. But Tim, why don't you start us off? Man, so like I'm not the guy to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I have, to, I have to train myself to be techie. And I'm, it's, I'm always aware that I'm not as techie as I probably should be to stay, to stay around in this business. Um, there's great groups that you can get on to. And, you know, the, the Club Wealth Group is one. Um, but but I, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I know how to do it. I don't do it, right? Like, we, we played with stuff. And I'm just implementing another system now that I'm, I don't want to say the name of it because um, I don't. I just don't have feedback on it yet, but, um, I don't know you. So let's, let's do this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, what is the result that you're trying to achieve? Hit them by land air and see until they say, don't contact me again, or they buy that's it. Right. So it, and, and you have to test stuff. So you want to set up phone calls, bomb, bomb videos. We're getting ready to start really excited about this. We're getting ready to start another campaign that is, it's uh, an automated voicemail drop, right? So we use slide broadcast. So we're just going to hit people, then send them a video text, then an email. How do you set that up? I don't know. 
So, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, what I'm hearing, and before Brian and Sheree jump in and answer the question, but here's, here's what I want to I point out. Here's a guy that's going to close over 450 transactions this year that doesn't have the perfect drip in place. You guys, so many freaking agents get caught up in, I've got to have the perfect drip in place. And what do they not do that Tim's team is doing? They don't pick up the freaking phone. They get stuck in analysis paralysis, and they get so worried about it being perfect that they don't make it good, right? So, good. so I, alluded to, I alluded to the seven things that people won't do to be successful, and one of those is stop thinking about the work and do the work, right? Like I, people all the time are like, I want to learn how to do Facebook and do my little ad thing and my ad spend and my, I'm like, I don't, why, why would you do that? You sell houses, right? Like, why would you try to figure out how to create an ad and boost it? Like, I know how to do it, but I'm not the best at it. I, my social media guy can ninja target somebody, right? Figure out what you're good at and eliminate everything else. That's the multitasking. And, and, the drips are good. You got to have them, but I don't know how to do it. Well, okay. So let me add to that. Let me add to that. Um, what I do, Stephen, <laughs> is a piece that Tim does, but he probably just didn't say it. Or you only heard part of it. And is that I leverage that sucker out. Um, I'm not good at it either. So you mentioned all of us on here. So I want to just throw that in there that I'm not great at that. But what I will do and what I have done is I've called up like Derek Jackson had a really good one. Hey, can I use that one? Yeah, sure. Just call him and set it up. Jesse Zagorski had another great one. Hey, Jesse, can I use that one? Yep, no problem. We sent out a couple of emails. Boom, someone did it for me. It was done. It was done. So leverage those that are around you. So is Stephen a Club Wealth coaching client? Uh, Stephen, here's the thing. If you have, if you, for those of you that are, let's just put this out there for everybody that's a coaching client. Um, we do have inside Commission Zinc. We do have drip campaigns pre-built for the expireds and for distressed homeowners. And so, if you want to jump in there and you want to utilize those campaigns, just let Commission Zinc know that you are in fact a coaching client of Club Wealth. Uh, and if you're thinking about signing up for them. You just let them know that uh, you want to sign up through our discount link and they'll give you our discount and they'll give you those campaigns. Yeah. So I sat there and I asked Steve and I asked the same question to my coach who's on here, Brian, and he went through this spiel and I was just going, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like 30 minutes and he lost me in like the first 30 seconds and he kept going and I said, okay, Brian. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to call someone else and have them do this because I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm sorry, I didn't stop you 30 minutes into this conversation. But <laughs> awesome. now that we're, we're at minute 31, I'm going to have somebody else do this. So leverage it out. You know, that's a big key for me is that I, I use a lot of leverage and I realize that in Club Wealth, I have a lot of people that are really good at a lot of different things. And the same thing for those of you who are team leaders, you got a lot of people who are really smart at a lot of different things. And so I'm always searching for someone who's, who's stronger where I'm weaker at. And tech is for me. But Brian, solve it for us. Answer the question. <laughs> well, apparently I'm the nerd on the call. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't so, going to say anything, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I've been called worse probably this morning. So um, here's the thing. What I like to envision the drip as is what if I was the perfect agent? 
what would I do if I was the perfect agent? So let's just take Michael's thing and he doesn't. This is not necessarily exactly what I do, but it doesn't, it, it's kind of like the perfect CRM, the perfect follow-up strategy, the perfect this, the perfect that. We're probably not going to be perfect, but let's be really good. So let's use 333. So three times in the first three days, three times in the first three weeks, three times in the in the first three months. So what do those look like? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter exactly what it is. And I'm sure there is a perfect thing. And as soon as someone figures it out, please let me know. I'll implement it in my business too. But the people, and we see this all the time with people who are brand new in this business and they make a phone call and we've got the, the rock star agent has been doing it for 10 years and they've gotten so good that they stopped doing the work and the brand new guy calls and he fumbles through a script and he says something dumb and the, and the buyer goes, yeah, sure. I'll go look at a house with you. So that's what I'm getting at. So, you know, Text. So the, the, here's the th three things that I consider to be a reach out. That would be a phone call, it would be a video text, or the, and then what we call a, um, a value add text. And so a value add text is something like we have a, a public servant program. In the public servant program, you might find that you, you know, this person is a police officer, he's a firefighter, you know, she's a nurse, he's a doctor, whatever kind of person. And here's the thing, whatever you can come up with to give somebody this, give it to them. I'm not trying to exclude people, but do try and make people find special. Find out if they're a first time home buyer. So I might send a text out that says, hey, I don't know if you're a first time home buyer or not, but here's a link to our first time home buyer program. Click. Now, they have ignored everything else that you've done. All of a sudden they're clicking on that. You know, or can I send you some information about our first time home buyer program? It can save you over a thousand dollars if you're purchasing a house. They might respond to that. So, but that can all be automated. Step one, agent makes a phone call. Step two, system sends a text message out. Step three, agent makes a phone call. That's day one. Day two, agent makes a phone call. If you notice, there's a lot of agent makes a phone call. Step two, you know, agent sends a video text. Step three, an automated email goes out. So, Ultimately, we want to hit these people up on a systematic way. And so, you know, I've got a, a form right here. It says that I can, you know, read and it's real simple. It's day one, phone call, video text, text, day two, phone call, VIP buyer text, day three, phone call, text, phone call. So you can just build this out however you want. Where does the content come from? Well, again, if you're a Club Wealth client, get with your coach. Your coach should have some sort of content that they can share with you. But if not, it's really not that hard to build. Hey, this is Brian with Curtis Realty Group. I'm following up because you called about a house at 123 Main Street yesterday. I just want to see if you have any questions or if you'd like to go make an appointment. That is something I can leave as a voice message. That is something I can send as a video text. That is something I can send as a text messages. All of these things work. And just simply letting your CRM do as much as your CRM will do. My CRM doesn't do text message drips. So I've got to use something like agent legend or what we actually use call action. You can put all of these things in place. Don't get overwhelmed by it though. Go and do something. You know, um, Tristan, who's been on our show several times, he's got like a seven day follow up program that he was using an automated system for had a 51% contact rate with pay-per-click leads. 51% contact. That's not 51% want to go see a house. I'm not trying to be, you know, but screw you. I never want to talk to you again is actually a good voicemail text message because now I know not to call this guy for at least a month. If you notice, I didn't say never again, but for a while, I'm going to take a break from him because I pissed him off 
or her off or whatever the case may be. But ultimately, just have a system in place and get with your coach. It's not it, we're not you know, we're not uh, building a watch here. Just have something that goes in place, something that says sometime in the first 30 days, I'm going to contact these people 15 times. Yeah. Biggest key is, is if you don't know how to do that, then get with your coach because um, the best thing about club wealth to me is that there's so many different smart people who are really good at this. And most of the time it's just a phone call. I mean, it's like a five minute phone call, Stephen, and it can be done. Very simple. All right. So let's do this. Let's shift gears now to our topic of the day. <laughs> Which is, I love it. We're, we're 44 minutes into the golf. Uh, all right, so Tim, talk to us about REO. Now, uh, all of us have had experience in REO. Some of us have had a lot of experience in REO. Uh, Tim, you, uh, as much or more than virtually anybody in the country right now, are doing a ton of business in REO. So what I would like you to do is walk us through, you know, you say REO isn't sexy, it's a commitment. Well, what does that mean? I mean, REO to the outside world, everybody's like, oh, REO is sexy. They give you hundreds of assets and all you have to do is put a lockbox on and you get paid a bunch of money. Like, how does this work? Well. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So pick pick an aspect of that that you want to talk about. So it's it's not sexy. What is it? Yeah, what is it? It's something that needs to be automated right so um i i I think this is funny this is funny to me so i was at an event in salt lake city utah in february every year i go right and i was with a couple of uh buddies that are that do reo in california the week that i was gone i came back and i had 11 closings seven of those closings were 600 hundred dollar commission checks so I made $600 for one closing seven times and I laid them all out and I took a picture of it and I sent them to these two guys and I was like, you sell one house. So for the $600 that I made on those and, and, and I sell higher end ones, right? But these are, this is just this, this one example. I have a runner. I have an REO director that handles it. I have a closing manager. I mean, that's one of the things that she does is she does, handles the closings and the processes. I've got uh, a sign installation guy. We've got a photographer on things that like I have massive expenses, not to mention that I'm paying for utilities. I'm mowing the grass on lots of them. Sometimes we have to do trash out. So we've got at any given time, $50,000 just out to, to multiple different entities that were, that were having to run through our expense reimbursement department. So like to sell, Huh? That's low. And that's low. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the banks right now are going to more national type vendors and they're, and they're so, sometimes they're removing the, the responsibility from us, but then we have clients that are, that are not, uh, that require us to do all this work. So point is I had a huge amount of overhead to sell a house and I get paid generally less commission on them than what would be a standard commission for your area, right? Because so to do REO, you have to do volume. So is REO sexy? Yeah. If you're doing a ton of it, I guess it could be right. But if you're not, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, I mean, it, it's a prop, it, it is real estate sales, but it's also property management. It's property yeah. management. And I mean, I have, I have, I have properties right now that we've had an inventory. I have one that had inventory two and a half years weekly inspections on this dog that 
I'll probably eventually sell for $30,000 at two and a half percent commission, right? Or a minimum of $1,250. I've, I've lost money on it. Yeah. But why do it? Uh, wait. Well, over. Oh, go ahead. See, here's, here's one thing. So I remember being a fresh club wealth agent and I remember going to a mastermind that all four of us was at in, um, in Atlanta. Um, and I remember being like this little itty bitty fly on the wall, like the, the, the littlest tadpole in the pond. I remember this and I remember sitting down at the time and listening. And so the REO discussion came up and every time the REO discussion comes up, it's a long discussion. Everyone wants to know about REOs as eventually it's going to come back around. Everybody has a different prediction about REOs, all of that happening. And I remember Tim Ray talking and he was sitting there, you know, being Tim. Is that what I look like? Is that what I do? Yeah, you were just like being Tim. <laughs> and he said, he said, you know, I mean, I don't know why people want to do this REO thing because I got $100,000 out right now that I'm still waiting to get back. And you said the same thing. All these commission checks are $600. Like, tell me how to get out of REO. And I'm sitting across from him looking at this guy and I'm like, you can give it all to me. If you want to, <laughs> is what I was thinking. But then I realized when he said, I've got $100,000 in expenses that are out there right now. And until I started getting into REO, I didn't really understand what he meant. And then it's so, for those people who are really considering or really, really want REO, you remember when the market tanked and, the, and a lot of the agents were doing REOs and short sales. And that's what we basically had to do a lot of during that time. Think about the salaries that you have to have when you're doing that. So what Brian said, he said property management, but it's a lot more than just that. There's a lot of salaries that are involved with REO accounts. So please, for those of you who are not into it, is it something great to have? Because I believe in diversifying your business. It is something that's really good to have. It's something if you want to get connected to this, you need to be connected to people like Tim Ray. If you know someone who's a good asset manager and you've been trying to get them, introduce them to Tim. I mean, he'll seal the deal and bring you right on along with him. That's the great thing about it. I mean, how did I get into REOs? Because of that guy, I don't know where you are on the screen for everyone else, but it's because of Tim Ray. That's well, how it happened. Let's talk about how REO works, right? Okay, so well, let's but, but, yeah. but so one, but, but real quick to touch on what she's saying is I have a recession proof business. I'm proud of that. And the way that I have a recession proof business is by doing short sales, REO and traditional. Right. And so that started in like 2006. I, people are like the market's tanking. The market's great. Like, I don't care. I literally don't care what the market does because I have the REO, I have the traditional and I have what's in between. And that's a really good place to be. Like I shouldn't say, I don't care what happens to the market. I really do. I'm not afraid of what happens to the market from a, business perspective. Yeah, and you're absolutely, you're absolutely right that it helps you build, and it's and nothing's entirely recession-proof, but the reality is it really kind of is, right? Because as the business goes down, as, as the market shifts, and as you see REO and short sales come back, what happens, right? The traditional business dries up a little bit. People now are working through their bank to solve the problem on the property. Um, now, is it going to be quite like it was in 07, 8, 9, 10? No, probably not. 
uh, you know, the chances are that, that, that that's not going to happen again, at least not in the next decade. Uh, now, will we see a, a downturn? Will we see a correction? Will we see uh, more uh, in institutional business come to play? Absolutely. And I think that it's important that we talk about not just REO and short sales. Now, remembering that short sales are, go are going to come more and more from the lender, right? Where the, the lender has identified they're late on their payment. They've already reached out to them. They've already discussed this with the, the, the homeowner. And they've, they're now, the lender is going to suggest the real estate agents uh, that that homeowner will either, either interview or use. And that's going to have a big impact. So you're going to see more of what we call top-down short sales. Uh, that said, there's also other types of institutional sellers that I think need to not be ignored, right? You've got hedge funds, you've got other entities that have the ability to provide you with a lot of business over a long period of time from one entity. So you really just need to build that one relationship. There might be two or three people at that company that you're building the relationship with, but it's one or two relationships, lots of transactions. Uh, and I think that for me is where a lot of this magic is. And Tim, I, I think you would probably agree that it's nice because you can build systems for each of these entities you do business with that are specific to that entity and that ensure that that entity is going to be excited about doing business with you. And once you've got that on autopilot, now you go get another entity to do business with. And once you've got these entities that you're doing business with, you can find other agents around the country that are doing similar types of business. And you can say, hey, look, you're in a market that doesn't compete with me. Let me introduce you to this entity over here that I'm doing business with. And you introduce me to one entity that you're doing business with. And now we both come out of it with two relationships that we can both do business with. Everybody wins, everybody grows. Jim, thoughts? Or Brian or Shree? No, I mean, I, yeah, that's, I do. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's throwing it to you, Brian. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Here's here's the question that, that I'd like you to answer. And I, Tim, this is completely putting you on the spot. I don't know the exact answer, but I'd like to because so I, I was just uh, I was multitasking, which is horrible. But um, I just wanted to pull up statistics on what percentage um, market was REO in my market. We have 18 REO listings in my market right now. 4,000 houses for sale. So you can tell why I don't do REO. It's not even because I'm good or bad at it. I've sold tons of REO. But so, you know, what? at what point do you see it's a good time for people to start looking at, hey, I better get back into some REO, if you were to guess. I mean, because your market, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but it's got to be at least 10%, right? You know, I don't know the percentage either. Uh, and the reason I don't know the percentage. So first, uh, I guess, second question first is when's a good time to get in it? Like, I don't know, a year ago. Um, and, I, and I tell you why. And then second of all, depending on the client and like Michael alluded to earlier, you have hedge funds, you have Wall Street guys, you've got different entities now that are like, I just got an email that somewhere in from uh, HUD, um, Housing and Urban Development. Somewhere, I just got it this morning that there's a portfolio of like 18 properties in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. that they're looking to like just find somebody to take all of them. So that's happening a lot. So ownership has changed. So when you look and you say you have 18, I say you have 18 that are on the market that are being marketed as REO. And what's behind the scenes, it's like the iceberg, right? Like only 10% of it is above the water. The rest of it's below the surface. So there are clients that don't want you to market a lot of the hedge funds, they, which are now buying bulk portfolios from banks like nation star, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, right? All of those guys are trying to get, get out, get rid of the non-performing notes. 
So the owners may have, may fix them up now. Like I've got one client that they fix up 90% of their properties. They assign REO. Then they have us with feet on the ground, go meet contractors, do 60 to $70,000 worth of renovations. Once the work's done, they're like, Oh, we're going to rent it out now. So they, they remove it. So now it's on the market as a rental owned by a company that is going to have vested title. That's not going to market. So you see what I'm saying is like, there's so much more behind the scenes that even we don't know. And I know I was just in Dallas a couple, uh, it seems like two weeks ago, Alexson was there. And, um, one of the big things that they kept telling was luxury, whatever luxury is in your market, right? Malibu's 2.5 and up Kansas city's like 700 luxuries. De- default is da- is up from what, what average of 3% to 10% luxury has stopped all across the board. And there's a number of reasons for it. I certainly don't know the answer, but I would, I would suspect that people are like, why do I have such a big house? Like, I don't need a big house anymore. I know I'm ready to go to a condo. I don't want to mow the grass. So you, you, nobody wants to buy your big house even if you can afford it. And then if you, if you can't afford it, no one's going to buy it. So why not just let it go back to the bank? Because you, you know what I'm saying? So when's a good time to get into it? Like now or a while ago. And how do you get into it? It's like what, what Cherie said, but it's, you know, it, it's build relationships. Those are always, it's, it, it, it's a very difficult thing to be like, I don't know anybody and I want to get into Ario. How do I do it? go to BSM and hang out with some, some of the people that do it. And then the biggest thing I would say is if you want to get into REO, try to provide value to someone that can provide value to you because it's very easy to just walk up to somebody and ask for something. Right. But if you, and and it's, but it's not necessarily the right way to go about it. And it's like, you know, the number one thing that I try to always focus on with follow-up back to the drip campaign and all of this is like when you reach out to somebody provide value right like give them something how do you what is it they want i don't know find out what they want and then give it to them don't just pick up the call to the phone and be like hey it's me again you're ready to buy a house no it's like hey i want to let you know here's something that might benefit you so did i answer your question yeah no, it's- one other thing you need to, to add in there is that once once you get your foot in the door don't don't screw it up You are a direct reflection of that person. So I've seen it happen before where people have messed up. Um, And just remember that whatever it is, just don't mess it up. Yeah. Uh, so, go ahead, Brian. We're running out of time. Final thought on REO. If you get an REO task, it is due when it is due, and you never, ever, ever let that go late. I've had to do REO tasks on Christmas Day because they haven't figured out that it doesn't, the, the clock does not stop. So, um, you know, understand that. And if you, the best way to lose an REO account is to miss a task. So we've got a great course called the 89 days to retail or excuse me, to REO and short sales success. And, uh, that course is going to be re-released. We are actually rebuilding that course right now. We're going back through all the content, bringing it up to date and up to speed. And, uh, once that course is ready, we'll make the announcement here. Uh, but that said, we literally have one minute left. And before we go to final thoughts from each of you, I want to remind everybody, 
two things. One, don't forget Wise Hire. All of us on this call use and appreciate and love Wise Hire. It's a great company that we use for recruiting, whether it's for our team's uh, administrative needs or for sales needs. Uh, the, the website is www.wisehire.com forward slash club wealth. And that's where you get the discount for Wise Hire. That said, uh, Ooh, wait, hold on. you can't just say that. So, like, I, the last two personnel hires that I've made came from Wise Hire ads. Um, I have four phone call and or in-person interviews from agents this week and next. So I used to, I used to tell my coaching clients like wise hire is great for hiring personnel. It sucks for hiring real estate agents. I just had the wrong ad running. So if you, if you're using wise hire and you're not having success with it, just rewrite your ad. Feel free to reach out to me. My phone number is 816-682-3338. Call me. I'll walk you through how to place an ad on WiseHire that's going to be successful. And by the way, I'm still running personnel ads on WiseHire and we're interviewing every week. We don't need anybody, but we're just doing it because one, it's good practice. And the one time somebody comes across your, your office or your desk that you like can't live without that person, you will find a job for them. I promise yeah. you. Absolutely. I completely agree. All right. Last thing I want to share before we wrap up and we go to our coaches call. Uh, and thank you for that, Tim is, um, BSM, Business Strategy Mastermind Conference in Anaheim in November. Guys, I want to tell you, it is literally almost sold out. VIP is officially on a wait list right now. If you want to get to VIP, you have to get on the wait list because it is completely sold out. Uh, and the hotel is almost completely sold out. And we have way, 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 it's well over 100 people more signed up right now than we did this time last year. There is no question it's going to sell out. We literally only have about, I want to say it's 60 tickets left. Um, and when they're gone, they're gone. We cannot fit more people in the room. So if you're going to come to Business Strategy Mastermind, which by the way, everybody you see on video right now is going to be there. You want to meet us in person. You want to rub shoulders with us. You want to talk to us. You want to bounce ideas back and forth with us. That's the place to do it. You need to get signed up today. Go to clubwealth.com forward slash BSM and get signed up today. So we're going to go to final. Oh, before we go to final thoughts. Coach Brandon Lando says, if you've never jumped over a chair while running to your computer to upload photos, you haven't done, are you? If you haven't wiped out jumping over a chair trying to upload photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, Aubrey tells us that the hotel for BSM is actually completely sold out now. So uh, in order for you to get, you can still get a ticket to come to BSM, but the hotel, you'll have to stay at one of the neighboring hotels. Um, which means you won't get some of the other cool benefits that uh, that we do for people staying at the host hotel. We've got to run. We don't even have time for final thoughts. So, guys, give us your 10-second final thought. Brian. Whatever you're doing, don't let perfection get in your way. Just keep moving forward and do it, whether that's REO, whether that's follow-up, whatever it is. Just put a system in place and run with it. Love it. Sheree. Yeah. Diversify your business. You've got to have diversity in your business. Think about it. Where's Tim grown just because he decided to diversify his business? All of us here, we've diversified our business. You're a team leader. You owe it to your team in order to do it. Love it. Tim? Uh, I would say don't reinvent the wheel. Like, just do what successful people do and you'll be successful. Like, we have so much um, available to us through Club Wealth and through the other Facebook groups. Literally, like, hop on there, ask a question, do what people do, and implement it. Love it. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. We got to run. We got to get on our coaches call. By the way, those of you that want to make sure you are notified about our Facebook Lives, 
in the upper right hand corner of your screen uh, next to following. If you're not already following Michael Hilton's Club Wealth Real Estate Coaching and Consulting, make sure you hit the follow button. And then on the little bell, click on the bell and ask it that you can say always notified. And that way when we go live, it will notify you. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.